Well, good morning, church. It's so good to be with you. Now, I just want to set the record straight. Several of you have inquired. This is not an ugly Christmas sweater, okay? (laughs) And I will be praying for all of those of you who think it is. I said yes. I said yes. The whole idea behind this I said yes series is really a, an idea that, that was born nine months ago. A group of leaders uh, from the church, we got together, we had this whole retreat weekend, and, and we had this, this at least one question on our minds. It was a question, actually, that, that Jed Shermer, our youth pastor, uh, had really been pushing us on, had really uh, continued to prod us on. You see, we, we've said that Whiting Christian Church exists to help people find and follow Jesus. That we'll know that when, when people in their neighborhoods are creating Christ-like communities one neighbor at a time, that, that we're loving people the way Jesus loved them. And yet he kept prodding this particular question, how is it that we're going to know when we fulfilled our mission? What is it going to look like when Whiting Christian Church and the people who are, are the body of Christ in, in Whiting, Iowa, Whiting Christian Church, what does it look like when they fulfill the mission of of helping people find and follow Jesus. And we came up with all sorts of answers. I mean, we could, uh, we could say that, uh, that, that part of the answer is, well, uh, we know that we're finding and following, helping people find and follow Jesus when we see people come and give their lives to Jesus, that, uh, that they want to be baptized into Christ. We could say that, that we want to see people in our community being reached and touched and, and that we have events that are, that are, are aimed at, at our community of, of this group of people right here in this room looking outward to how we can meet the needs of people outside, uh, outside of this room. How we can look outside into our communities and in, into the people's lives that we want to touch just to let them know that, that Jesus actually does exist and that he loves them and cares for them. And all of that was well and good. But it wasn't enough. Because we recognize that for all the externals, for all the stuff that happens For all the stuff that is done, the thing that Jesus wants most is the heart of people. And so we began to say, well, maybe maybe it's not as complex as we want to make it. Maybe the answer to the question, how is it that we know we're meeting our mission, is simply if the people of Whiting Christian Church say yes to Jesus. What's it going to look like, Whiting Christian Church? What's it going to look like, church, when you, as followers of Jesus, begin to say yes to Jesus? When you hear something, when you listen to God's word, and you're obedient, and you're faithful, and you say, yes, Jesus, what's it going to look like? What's it going to look like for husbands and wives to say yes to Jesus? 
What's it going to look like for teenagers and students in our schools to say yes to Jesus? What's it going to look like when parents and grandparents say yes to Jesus? Are, are you tracking with me? What does it look like when people say yes to Jesus? That's the answer. I want you to say yes to Jesus. And this whole series, this whole series, I Said Yes, is really about us defining what your yes needs to look like. When you say yes to Jesus, when you as a parent or a child, when you as a grandparent or a parent say yes to Jesus, what does that mean? How do we define the yes that defines our mission of helping people find and follow Jesus. One of the ways that we define our yes is when we're willing to say no to everything else. When we say yes to Jesus, we say no to lots of other things. When we say yes to Jesus, uh, it means that we're going to have to lay some other stuff down. When we say yes to Jesus, it's going to mean that we're going to have to sacrifice some other things. When we say yes to Jesus, it's going to mean that we have to surrender something and not just take something up. So that we can see that. So that we can see that one of the ways that Jesus defines when we say yes to him, is sacrificing something, is surrendering something, is saying no to something. We're going to venture into the book of Matthew. Uh, there, are, there are some times in which Jesus asks questions of his disciples. Anytime Jesus asks a question of the disciples, of those who are following him, that you, you better just circle it. You better pay, pay attention to when Jesus asks a question because uh, something radical is going to happen from all that happens after Jesus asks the question. And here is Jesus, and he's with his followers, and he looks out, and he... And he I don't know, maybe they're just very casual questions, and Matthew decides that he's going to record this one. And he asks the question, who do people say that I am? Hey, what's, what's my identity? What are people saying? And it's almost like it becomes a quiz show, right? Like, like they have the little buzzers from Jeopardy, and they just start firing off answers. Oh, some people say this, and some people say that. And there's one of the disciples, one of the followers of Jesus, his name's Peter. And he says, hey, you're the Christ, the Son of God. And you know what? Peter's right. He gets the right answer. He knows who Jesus is. The problem is that although he knows who Jesus is, he has no idea how to define the yes. He has no idea what it means yet to say yes to Jesus. So if you would, why don't you join me in God's Word this morning. Open up, if you would, to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you to, to grab one. There should be one in the pew back in front of you. Grab that Bible. Go to Oh, I don't know, three quarters of the way uh, through the Bible. 
As your Bible is ordered, it's going to be the very, very first book in the New Testament. So after Malachi, and then you're going to get Matthew. And go to the 16th chapter in Matthew, Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is absolutely clear on his mission. He's totally undeterred. He is on a a one-way street, and he knows where this is going to end. Jesus is clear-cut on what he's supposed to do. And in the midst of that, he faces down a temptation. Read with me, would you? Uh, Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples, listen, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Jesus is saying, hey, I know that you know who I am. Now let me tell you the clear mission that I'm on. The clear mission that I'm on is a one-way street, and, it, and it's going to end badly for me. I, just, I need you to know that it's, it's not going to go well for me. I know what you're thinking. I know you're thinking that this is going to be this grand earthly kingdom, but I have better things in mind. You see, God has me here. God the Father has me here, and I'm, I'm on this mission, and there's no turning back. There's no, no going around it. I have to go right through it, and, and, and the mission that I'm on is going to end at the cross. Jesus knows this. He's looking at it. All of his opposition, the elders, the, the scribes, they're all after Jesus, and Jesus says, they're going to get me. It's absolutely clear. Did did you catch that twice? Twice in this passage, Matthew records of Jesus saying, "I, I must do this. He says he must go to Jerusalem and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised alive. Did you catch that? He has to do it. Now, in your own Bible study time, when you're at home and you're flipping through pages, I would, I would encourage you, maybe take a pencil, maybe take one of those little highlighters, circle that word must. Circle it. Because in this context, with Jesus speaking, it means that Jesus is on the mission that God has given him. When he says, I have to do this, it's not just like, well, I have to go to the grocery store or I have to go have lunch after church today. No, he's saying, I know my life's work. I know the thing that God has put me on this planet to do. When he says, I have to, I must go to Jerusalem, I must be killed and on the third day rise, it's a, it's a divine imperative, it's a divine command. Look, I am here and I'm not going back. Jesus is very clear on his mission 
But if you're very clear on your mission, if you're very clear on the yes, I'm going to say yes to Jesus. If you're very clear on the fact that, that God has put you here for a reason, that you're going to say yes to Jesus, then, then, then you with Jesus ought to be ready to face down some temptation. Listen to how this whole story goes. In the, in the face of being very clear about what his mission is, Jesus has to face down some temptation. Look at verse 22. Peter, the same guy that I told you earlier, knew who Jesus was, correctly identified Jesus as the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ. Peter took him aside and he began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Not going to happen, Jesus. Jesus has just said that he has this clear mission from God. He has this clear directive. He is on a one-way street. And there's no looking back. He's going forward. And in and in light of what he has just said, Peter, in the strongest way possible, comes to Jesus and says, can't be, shouldn't be. And he's tempting Jesus. Notice what Jesus says to him in return. Verse 23. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Satan? Satan? Who else in Matthew's gospel is responsible for tempting Jesus to try and get him away from his mission? If you answered it was Satan, if it was the devil, then you're absolutely correct. Because back in Matthew chapter 4, Satan takes Jesus up on a mountain, and Matthew says he tempted him up there, and look at what he says in verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, and mountains are really significant in Matthew's gospel. It seems oftentimes that, that mountains are where God shows up in Matthew's gospel, and he takes him to a very high mountain, and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world and all of their and he says, all this I will give you, he said, if you will only bow down and worship me. Why is it that after Jesus had said, this is my absolute mission, this is where I'm going, that he calls Peter Satan? It's because it's the same temptation that Satan had given Jesus back in chapter 4. Satan is tempting Jesus with his mission minus the cross. Jesus is being tempted by Satan to say, hey, I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to let you have all that you want. How about, how about I give you all the people? How about I give you the mission to help seek and save those who are lost, to save people from their sins. How about I give you all of that, Jesus, but you don't have to surrender. You don't have to sacrifice. You don't have to give up anything. All you have to do is say yes to me. Have you ever been to Sam's Club? 
Now, I shop at Sam's Club. This is not me saying that Sam's Club is somehow uh, tempting us, okay? But do you walk the aisles like I do at Sam's Club, kind of looking for the samples? I'm not the only one in this room that does that. You walk through Sam's Club, right? And you're looking for the samples. And you're looking for the good samples, right? Like you're looking for the good hot food. Like the, the little bit of chicken or, or a burrito or something. That's what you really want. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get the good stuff. Now, if you're anything like me, you want that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that. But you have no intention whatsoever of buying whatever it is that's in the case, right? I'm just going to take it. I, I want to take this, but I'm never going to buy what you're offering. You see, Jesus is telling Peter, unmistakably, there is no saying yes minus the cross. There's never just taking a sampling of Jesus. To take a sample of Jesus means that you go all in. If you want to say yes to Jesus, it's going to mean that there's going to be surrender. It's going to mean that there is going to be sacrifice. It's going to mean that you have to say no to everything else. Uh, Jesus once said of his own kingdom, he said, if you want to enjoy this kingdom, it's like someone who has found a treasure, it's out in a field, and if you want it, you have to give up everything in order to possess it. You see, Jesus is defining our yes. If you want to say yes to Jesus, if you want to go all in, on Jesus, and it's going to mean the cross. It's going to mean sacrifice. It's going to mean surrender. Listen to how Jesus defines it. Keep going, keep going, stay with me. He says in verse 24, listen to what he says. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Uh, he takes these three verbs, and he says, I want you to deny, I want you to take up your cross, and I want you to follow me. Now the first two verbs, deny and take up, these first two things that he gives us, these first two commands, if you will, uh, when he says deny yourself, take up your cross, uh, th these two things going, go together. The first verb of denial of self uh, really interprets the second on take up your cross. Now, maybe you know this and maybe you don't. But in Jesus' time, the cross was not a piece of jewelry that we hung around our neck. It wasn't something that adorned buildings like it does ours. No, the, the cross for Jesus, and certainly for those that are listening to Jesus right here, the cross was a terrible execution tool. It was a tool of terror. 
It was a tool that said, I want to inflict the most pain on you as humanly possible, and I want to devise uh, some way to make this painful for you. So the people uh, that would go to the cross, uh, other people would look at the agony that they had to go through and said, "I, I don't want any part of that. It was the way the Romans kept everything in check. You see, you would, you would be on, most people would be on the cross for days. You didn't die on the cross because they, they drove spikes into your wrists or into your ankles. That's not why you died. You died on the cross because you were asphyxiated to death. You see, you would lay like this on the cross And it was so that you had to painfully push up in order to get a breath, only to come back down again. And you do this over and over and over for potentially days before finally you couldn't do it anymore. And then you died. Jesus said, Take up your cross and follow me. What was he saying? He was saying, I want your whole life. I want your entire being to be oriented to your surrender to me. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. When he uses these two verbs, he's saying, hey, church, your faith is not a therapy Your faith is not a consumer product that we take along a journey so that we can find ourselves. He's saying, if you want to say yes, you have to deny, you have to die to self and do it regularly. Let the orientation of your life be defined by your surrender. Several, several months, years ago, I picked up a little book. It's called Autopsy of a Deceased Church. It's just a tiny little book, but uh, the whole premise of the book is to say, hey, uh, what is it that we can learn from churches that have died? What is it that we can learn? Uh, What is it that we can look at in churches that have declined and try and avoid those sorts of things? How is it that we set ourselves up for living rather than dying? I thought it was interesting as I worked my way uh, through this idea of what Jesus is telling us, that our yes is defined by our surrender to him. There's a chapter in it called The Preference Driven Church. It says this, a church cannot survive long term where members are focused on their own preferences. My music style, my desired length and order of worship services, my desired color and design of buildings and rooms, my activities and programs, my need of ministers and staff, my, my, my. Do you hear it? 
Implicit in all of us is this deep temptation to serve ourselves, isn't it? And yet, as a church, if we're going to fulfill our mission, if we're going to help people find and follow Jesus, then we have to find and follow Jesus. And if we're going to help ourselves find and follow Jesus, then we have to be people who are willing to surrender and deny ourselves. Husbands, how are you denying yourself with your wife? Wives, how are you denying yourself with your husband or your children? Employers, employees, how are you denying yourself as followers of Jesus? How are you surrendering? How are you sacrificing? When you come to church, is this really about you or is it about Jesus? Many years ago, there was a a guy, his name is Robert Weber. He's uh, a guy that had a lot to do with uh, worship, music, and organizing of, of gatherings like this one. And there was a song, very popular at the time, and it was, uh, uh, you know, a song that really was, uh, was, was saying, hey, it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. God, I want to come here and I want to make this all about you. And he said, you know, he said, human nature would have it that if we're not careful, if we're not denying ourselves, if we're not, you know, orienting our lives around surrender, that when we come into a worship service, we can sing it's all about you when it's all about us. And it's all about us singing it's all about him. Church, if you want to say yes to Jesus, you're going to have to deny self. You're going to have to take up a cross. You're going to have to orient your whole life towards sacrifice and surrender. And I don't know what that yes looks like for you. That yes for you may mean that you delay the gratification of sexual pleasures until you're married. That for you may mean that instead of engaging in extra luxuries that you decide that you are going to give financially to the church or parachurch organizations. That may mean for you That you have a group of friends that you love to hang out with, but you recognize that there's a little more of them coming into you than you into them. And it's leading you down a path that that isn't about self-sacrifice and denial of self, but it's about gratifying self. And so you need to cut ties with some friends. What does it look like for you to deny self? And then there's that last verb that Jesus gives us. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow. Everybody wants to be the leader, but Jesus says you have to follow. In the world that we live in, everybody seems to say, well, all you need to do is just find yourself. Can I just tell you right now that finding yourself is nothing that Jesus ever says. Jesus never says, hey, 
why don't you go out and find yourself and then come and follow me? That's not what Jesus says. He says the exact opposite. Listen to how he defines following. He says in verse 25, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. In a very similar way, Jesus says, for those who would be tempted to find themselves, in chapter 10 and verse 39, he says, whoever finds their life, whoever finds themselves, will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Your life has to be oriented towards surrender, towards sacrifice. You see, life is not about finding yourself. It is about following Jesus. I went to this gym recently, and we were working out. And it struck me that throughout the whole gym, there were these little signs and things coming across the screens. All you have to do is believe in you. Believe in yourself. And I thought, no. No, that's not right. All I have to do is follow Jesus. There's a song that's been coming across the radio recently, and I picked out the lyrics the other day, and I thought, man, what a great song. It really follows a storyline of explorers who were coming over from Europe, and in order to motivate their troops... They would burn the ships to try and get them to move forward. Hey, there's no going back. When you say yes to this mission, there's only one way to go. Here are some of the lyrics. Burn the ships, cut the ties, send a flare into the night, say a prayer, turn the tide, dry your tears, and wave goodbye. Church, can I ask you this morning, what ships do you need to burn? In what areas in your life do you need to sacrifice self? John the Baptist would come and he would announce Jesus. And he would say, he must become greater, I must become less. In what areas of your life does Jesus need to be greater? In what areas do you need to be less? Over the course of this series, as we define your yes to Jesus, we're going to have cards in the back beginning next week, and I want you, church, to be thinking, what are some ways I'm saying yes to Jesus? What are some ways I'm denying self? What are some ways I'm sacrificing? And, and we're going to just ask you to do this, would you just Write on a piece of paper, this is how I'm saying yes. These are some things I'm denying self. And we're going to allow you to display that. You don't have to put your name on it. But it allows us as a church to say, we're saying yes to Jesus. And perhaps as you look through, you're like, you know what? I can deny myself in some of those ways too. Living with Jesus is dying first. Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you so much for who you are and all that you do. And Lord, I pray that all of us would learn to say yes 
by orienting our lives towards surrender. Lord, I pray that we would understand the gravity of those words, deny, take up, and follow. And Lord, may our lives this week be a demonstration to you that we are saying yes, that we are fulfilling your mission for us. We love you. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray.